0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Take the Two. Now, obviously, we didn't have the chance to come on last week, so you know apologies if anyone is already sick of grand final talk, but you know we'll we'll do we'll do it briefly here before we move on to the more pertinent topics like origin and the news that has made the headlines the last couple of weeks. But for us, Tom, both of us expected that the storm were gonna win, and they got the job done in the end. They just had just had too much firepower for the Panthers.
1: Yeah, hopefully for some of the punters out there, that might have gone on our little uh, multi there. I had Justin Orlman as first try scorer, and you had Ryan Pappenhausen as man of the match, and together we picked the Storm, but Melbourne came out all guns blazing, as we were expecting them to. Penrith just couldn't match it with them at the start, and unfortunately, once Penrith started chasing the game, they just started to fall further and further behind, as was evidenced by that Nathan Cleary intercept pass to Vunivalu, and from there, it was all Melbourne. I don't buy too much into that second-half comeback. I think the Storm had pretty much switched off after that Pappenhausen try, and... You know, what a deserving Clive Churchill medalist he was. He was absolutely sensational on the night. And now he's earned himself an origin co-op, which is uh, great to see.
0: No, certainly is. I mean, we know how good Pappenhausen is and obviously he showed it there. And I mean, I guess for Penrith, obviously, you know, they win, you win 16-17 on, games on in a row and, you know, their fans would have been would have been quite high. But I guess when you, when you look at it, Tom, it's probably, I guess in the game that matters most, there was probably for lack of a better word, probably a bit disappointing from the Panthers in a way that they just, they didn't seem to match that intensity that they've been playing with for most of the season.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And I think we do a little bit of inexperience on through in parts of the game, especially during that first half, you know, we've associated Penrith this year with a really high completion rate and they came out and for the the whole game completed under 60, uh, under 70%, sorry. And you had something like 15 errors throughout the match and that's just not good enough against this storm side. We've said it many times throughout the year that you, You give them an inch and they'll take a mile, and they certainly did, uh, as as shown by a couple of their tries there uh, on last Sunday night.
0: Yeah, they certainly know how to score a good long-term try. And I mean, I I guess the big thing moving forward for both teams, Tom, is obviously, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Cameron Smith, you know, whether he plays on, does he stay? Obviously, we know that there are other variables involved behind his decision, including the likes of Harry Grant and Brandon Smith. And then conversely to, to the Panthers as well, Are are you expecting them, both teams, regardless of what happens to be there or thereabouts in that top four, top six sort of spot again in in 2021?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Penrith's uh, premiership window is just, you know, just starting to open up for them nicely and they've got some great young talent that they'll look to develop over the next few years. The key is going to be retaining uh, some of their stars as they increase in value uh, over the next few seasons. And then for Melbourne, well, they've been in a premiership window for the last 10 or 12 years, so... You can't expect anything different next year, especially with the likes of Brandon Smith. And as we mentioned, guys like Munster and Pappenhausen are steering the ship there. I think it will be interesting uh, to see, as, as you were mentioning there, some of the variables on how the teams will shape up next year. We've seen Josh Mansour come out this week and say that he potentially won't be there next season or he would so he'll be playing reserve grade. We've got Addo Carr now potentially staying at Melbourne after it was originally looking like he might uh, head to Sydney. And then, of course, Cameron Smith still waiting on a decision from him. And I'm sure that won't be uh, too far in the future.
0: Yeah, they're certainly, they're certainly both building nicely. And obviously from, from this clash as well, we have quite a few Origin representatives. And look, it leads right into Origin, which is on tomorrow. Now, I mean, you look at Origin, Tom, and obviously it's a very different makeup for both sides, given you know some stars are out with injury, some stars just haven't made themselves available. Is it is this a sure thing for New South Wales, or is that a dangerous attitude to have given... The, given the way that some of the Storm players, sorry, the Storm players, the way that some of the Queensland players were able to finish off their respective individual seasons?
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't think you can write off this Queensland side. For me, this whole series reeks of uh, what we saw in 1995 where Blues came in, 11 internationals in their squad, highly fancy, Queensland uh, coached by Fatty Vorton that year, came out, they weren't expected to win a game. Uh, I think uh, Paul Vorton bled about 10 or 11 debutants in, Game one, and then what do you know? You know, three games later, Queensland have wrapped up the series 3 0 after winning the first game 2 0 uh, at the SFS. And you know, if we saw anything similar to that, it honestly would not surprise me with this Queensland side. We've got guys like Josh Papali in there, we saw what he could do with the Raiders, as you're mentioning there, a couple of those Storm guys in Munster, Felice Cafusi, Tino Fasul Malawi. And then we've got some really exciting young backs. We saw the form that AJ Brimson was in at started, uh, sorry, at the end of the year, leading that Titans resurgence, and then Uh, Guys like Phil Sammy, Branko Lee, Xavier Coates have all shown some really strong glimpses throughout the year. And Look, there's no doubting the fact that they're pretty much going to have to be perfect to beat this blue squad because it's just littered with class from 1 to 17. But, you know, I think they're definitely a chance and I will definitely be tipping the blues, but uh, I would be writing Queensland off completely.
0: No, definitely not. Look, I think it's an interesting point to raise as well is obviously in terms of origin caps for players, there really isn't a great discrepancy between the two I mean just having a look now we have what Boyd Cordner Tyson Frazel, and James Tedesco are the only three Blues players to play more than 10 games 10 games or more then you go to the Queensland side and we have Cherry Evans Dane Gagai and Josh Papali as the three that have played 10 games or more and obviously you know these guys are now elder statesmen of the of their club sides and origin side so I think yeah I I think seeing some comments like the, you know, like the people that think it's going to be a sure thing for New South Wales, probably is a bit premature given that the sides are get, uh, relatively the same in terms of experience. Obviously, we know Queensland are going to have more debutants given, you know, what what this year has brought about and the fact that some of their players have either retired in the last two three seasons or haven't made themselves eligible for other reasons. But it looms as quite an interesting clash and as you said, Tom, you know, we've seen plenty of plenty of Queensland players really standing out individually for their club sides. And it's probably something that I guess Origin has, has maybe been lacking in the past. We've seen some some picks have been made you know more based on incumbency than form. But obviously it looks like this is probably one of the first years in a while that we're seeing players picked on on merit, but, you know, based on the way that they're playing for their club, which is really how it should be every season.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think you're spot on there in saying that in the past we've seen guys potentially grab spots because they've done a job in the past. But I think that this is really shaping up to be one of the most exciting series we've seen in years. You know, no matter what the results are, I think that just looking at the calibre of players across the field, we're going to get fast attacking play, which we don't often see in Origin. And I think we saw we saw a real shift with the rule changes this year. And um, we saw a lot less games, you know, sort of be those defensive slogs and you know, uh, see both teams really grinded out for the full 80 minutes and we saw a lot more free-flowing attacking play and I think that we'll get more of the same tomorrow night and throughout the rest of the series. I think where what will hurt Queensland in terms of the experience while they might have the experience in the Origin Arena in terms of a similar amount of games played, I think the Blues definitely have them covered in terms of just overall big game experience from guys like James Tedesco, Daniel Tupo's been in a number of final series for the Roosters. We've got Jack Whiten who's featured prominently in the last two final series. And then the halves, Luke Keary and Nathan Cleary, you know, aren't strangers to a big match. Yeah,
0: I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, that's obviously, obviously a good point as well as, you know, Origin Arena is very different to a club game. And I guess for New South Wales, Tom, we know that Ryan Pappenhausen won't play because of that calf injury. I guess looking forward, obviously, you know, we have game one on tomorrow, but for game two, Tom, is Pappenhausen the sort of guy that obviously he'll be in there? Are you expecting him to just, say, slot into number 14 and kind of play that? That bench utility role that we've seen, the likes of you know Cameron Munster, uh, yeah, or Mun- to a lesser extent Munster, but Cooper Cronk when he came into Origin, you know Cher Evans started, Ben Hunt, these guys that will just come on and essentially just play as like a ro- like a a roaming utility essentially.
1: I think it'll depend on the situation uh, of the series and also how Cody Walker plays in that first game. I think that. Uh, what will play to Pappenhausen's disadvantage is his size. I don't think he's really the player that you can just slot into, you know, a lock position or something like that. Because I think just think he's too small. And you know, when you've got guys like Tino Faso Malawi and Josh Papali running at you, you really need that uh, that size and strength to stop them. And you know, I think that the key this or well, tomorrow night will be for Cody Walker to really inject himself into the game more than he did last year in game one. I thought he went. A little bit missing when he played that game at, uh, at five-eighth while Luke Kiry was out, and you know if he can come on and make an impact off the bench as he did for the Rabbitohs over a number of weeks, I think we might see him hold that spot. I think while Ryan Pappenhausen rightfully gets a lot of uh, raps and credit for what he did in the grand final, I think that Cody Walker's performance over the last six or eight weeks of the season was largely overshadowed. He really, you know, led that Rabbitohs charge uh, late, late in the season. At one stage, it was looking like. South might not even make the finals, and then all of a sudden they challenged the, the Panthers for much of that uh, preliminary final. And you know he was central to so much of the good things that they were doing in attack. And I think that the Blues will look to him to play a very similar role off the
0: bench tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. We'll certainly have a very interesting contest and entertaining contest tomorrow night. But I guess when you look at it, Tom, who who have you got, and who's the first try scorer?
1: Yeah, I'll okay. I think the Blues have this one. As as much as I think Queensland are a shot, I think the safe bet is to take them and then take them even 3-0 in this series. I think that they can really dominate these matches if if both teams are playing at their best. I just don't think Queensland have the firepower to match them. I can't go past Daniel Tupou as first try scorer in this one. But I'm keen to also just hear your thoughts quickly on Quint Gutherson in the centres. I know that uh, we saw that play a little bit of centres throughout the last couple of years before he found a home at fullback. But do you think he's a long-term fit for the Blues there?
0: I think he is. I mean, he, most most of his early days, whether it be in reserve grade, first grade, nines tournaments, he, he pretty much always lined up at centre before he made the move to fullback. And it was really only at Brad Arthur's insistence at the Eels that he make the permanent shift to fullback. But I think, I think people are very quick to look at Gutherson and, and think, oh, he's played fullback for the last, what, three seasons. He can't play centre now. I mean much like you know people saying the same thing about white and to a lesser extent as well. But I think when you look at the way that Gutherson plays and how how proud he is to not only play but to, to, to don whatever jersey he is, you know that he's going to give his absolute all. And I think if the defensive aspect is where people are concerned about, you only have to look at the way he's able to defend and position himself as a fullback. You know, because he's made some pretty damn good try-saving tackles over the last few seasons as well. So I think if as said, if people are worried that he's not going to be able to do that in the centres, I think he has he has the the technique and the evidence behind him to suggest that his defence will be able to hold up at any level in the centres.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And I think that because he's had such a great season at fullback this year and also last year, I think that people have forgotten about uh, what he did for Manly in the centers a couple of years ago he, when he was really starting out his career and you know, how he found his way to Parramatta. And I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that he can definitely play a role, similar to what we've seen White and play over the last few years. I know there was a little bit of concern initially with White sorting into the centers, but he really shut that down. And uh, his partnership with that O'Carr will be really lethal on that left edge.
0: Yeah, look, I, mean, I, I guess from a defensive standpoint, too, when when you really think about it, obviously, you know playing playing five-eighth and, I guess for White and five-eighth and centre, but there's not it's not like in training, whether it's, again, reserve grade, first grade, origin, international, it's not like the fullback isn't in tackles and getting involved. So I think people are very quick to jump the gun and think, oh, a fullback, you know, playing centre won't make tackles or will refuse to make tackles, but Clint Gutherson has put his body on the line defensively Numerous times, you know, we've, some, we've seen clubs make numerous breaks and his first contact is pretty much like hitting a brick wall sometimes. So he certainly knows how to defend and it's not it's not going to, I guess, affect the, the defensive attitude or, or defensive nature of the Blues too much overall, I don't think. Yeah,
1: great. And you tip in the Blues as well?
0: I don't... Uh, I like a good underdog sometimes. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth. I mean, I, I agree with your point, Tom. Obviously, you know, it's looking at the two sides and the overall experience and, you know, big games, obviously, and these others have the edge. But you get the feeling that, or I get the feeling that, you know, any side coached by Wayne Bennett, you can never rule them out no matter what. But I might go as an upset if you want to call it here. I'm going to go 17-16 to Queensland. And I'm going to go with Philip Sammy as 1st try tri-scorer. Oh, very nice. I think that
1: either way we're going to be in for a a great clash. I think the end of season origin is going to really live up to the hype that we've uh, been building up the last couple of weeks since the grand final.
0: No, definitely will be. And look, uh, I guess it'd be remiss of us, Tom, not to briefly touch on the NRLW grand final as well. Obviously, the... The Brisbane Broncos, the, you know, I guess the mighty Brisbane Broncos, I guess if that's, uh, you know, to put, it even, to put it even more bluntly, three in a row, quite an, quite an entertaining game in the end. Obviously, it's not like they, you know, blew the roosters away, but I guess just that form that we've seen from a lot of their players, you know, Ali Brigginshaw, Taron Aiken, and I guess as well, particularly the form of, as, as, as you have mentioned a couple of weeks ago as well, Tom, the form of their forwards, you know, Millie Boyle, Amber Hall, but but they certainly certainly did did their job and it just made life easier for the Broncos to I guess really get that role on and eventually come away with the victory.
1: Yeah absolutely I think you nailed it there it all just came down to those forwards. We said that uh, girls like Samlima Taufo were really going have to you know, we're going have their hands full locking down the, that Brisbane Ford pack and we ended up seeing Amber Hall grab the of uh, the woman of the match medal and uh, Millie Boyle led the way with most tackles for the game. So you know I think that the the way those girls played really enabled, uh, players like Brigham Shaw and Upton to to get out and about, and uh, you know we saw that weight switch with Brigham Shaw swapping to a walk and end up being a little bit of a masterstroke. Yet again with her and Taryn Aiken uh, swapping positions, and I think that you know that might be something we see more moving forward because it just allowed uh, Brighen Shaw just to inject herself into the game a little bit more, and we all know how how strong she is at just controlling the play, and we saw that yet again last weekend.
0: No, we certainly did. I, mean, I and I think. I mean, I, I don't, I can't actually can't recall if they named a player of the tournament or anything. I don't know if they, if they do that for the NRLW competition or not. But just looking back, I mean, Taran Aiken would probably be a, a very good candidate for that. I think pretty much in all three game, all four games, she pretty much had a hand in at least a couple of the, a couple of the tries in, in each game. And certainly, as as you said, Tom, obviously, you know that, that faith to to put her in the five-eighth role and. I guess, move Brigginshaw more into kind of that second receiver rather than first receiver role to open the play up a bit more, certainly played into the hands of the Broncos throughout the tournament.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think they actually did they did name a player of the tournament, and it was Ali Brigginshaw. They did that on the night of the Dally M's, But I think that just demonstrates your point of how strong this Broncos outfit is, that we've got someone like Tamika Upton, who had you know, an absolutely great season across the course of the four games we saw. And have that first, oh, sorry, the second hat-trick in NRLW history in the first game, grabbed herself a try in the grand final and she still can't play her of the tournament honours over her teammate, Ali Briganshaw. So, you know, I think that this Broncos outfit, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in uh, years to come as well. I don't think, you know, it's not going to be no easy feat to stop the four-peat next year for the other sides. And, you know, fingers crossed we can get a bit of an extended tournament because I think the demand's definitely there from the fans. And, you know, during that final series, it was great to have uh, the NRLW Games to watch when there wasn't as much uh, men's footy to to delve into.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, obviously it depends what happens with the the pandemic, but they've they've always spoken about two extra teams. So you know we just got to wait and see what happens with the NRLW competition in 2021. Now look, rugby league is never short of plenty of news, and some is good, some is bad. Quite a mixed bag the last couple of weeks, but I guess we'll. We'll start with one that's probably a bit disappointing, Tom, in terms of, you know, international rugby league and what what this team has has been able to do for rugby league in England and sort of in in being able to promote Canada as a soon-to-be reputable sort of, not powerhouse, but, you know, a a rugby league country or nation that can, you know, produce their own players, have a team that everyone gets around. Obviously, you know, talking about the Toronto Wolfpack now, the decision was made. I think it was nine four or eleven four, whatever the eventual result was, to not have the Wolfpack in the Super League next season. It's a bit disappointing when you think about it, isn't it, Tom? Given that you know, yes, things were not great under the previous owner, but you know, under new ownership in the last few months, they've shown some promise and the willingness to to get behind the team and the players and do what they can to, I guess, reimburse them as much as possible. But seems a little bit rash to at least not give the new consortium a chance to to prove their worth.
1: Yeah, definitely. and I think that you know it's definitely disappointing for the fans of the Wolfpack over there. They didn't really you know, have a great chance to to really test out their their side up against the best of the super league. and it's you know it can be interesting to see how some of the cards fall you know they're like Ricky Watelli who have shown some interest in coming back or, you know, he had a brief stint at Melbourne after his uh, Premiership winning stint at the Sharks a couple of years ago. So he he might be back in the NRL fold next year or playing for another Super League team. Obviously, the biggest card to fall is probably Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, he's come out on NRL.com this afternoon and said that uh, after his next surgery at the end of the year, he'll be potentially looking at a contract extension possibly next year with the Roosters or even elsewhere in the NRL. So I think there's going to be plenty of big ramifications to come out of this. But yeah, definitely a disappointing one for Canada and for all the fans over there because... Uh, it would have been great to see what they could have built, uh, you know, as a new franchise. And we've seen in a similar vein what the Warriors have been able to build over here. Obviously, it's very different with rugby league being an established sport in New Zealand by the time the Warriors uh, came in. But just to see the way that the country's really got around the club side, it's been tremendous to see. And you know, it's disappointing that we might not get to see something similar over there uh, in Canada.
0: Yeah, certainly is. But you know, obviously Super League teams, for whatever reason, made their decisions, and you know, we're not here to. I guess, criticize them for that. Obviously, I need to just, you know, express disappointment, but, you know, it, I guess it's one of those things that we can't control. we just got to go with it and just, yeah, hope that it's not the last we see of the Wolfpack in, either in the Super League or in English Rugby League circles. Yeah, 100%. Now, look at Dylan Walker, Tom, obviously, has a, has a troubled or a checkered NRL history off the field. You know, we know that Obviously, the most recent one prior to the incident at Narawena was the whole, you know, he allegedly struck his, wife, his his partner and, you know, then they went to court and, you know, deal the shenanigans and he got off. He finds himself in trouble again, this time for assaulting a fellow patron at the restaurant that he was at over whatever disagreement that they had. Manly have since come, or Manly slash Manly's players have since come out and said that the incident is out of character, that he's a good guy, as you would expect from you know, the club he's at and the players he plays alongside. Is this potentially, I guess, a, a, long, a long-term suspension coming for Walker, Tom, particularly if he's found guilty of, of the assault charges against him?
1: Oh, yeah, if he's found guilty, I think we'll see him virtually rubbed out of the NRL, at least for the rest of his career. We might see him over in the Super League or something later on, as we've seen from... A couple of players who have had uh, some you know, uh, off-field discretions over the years, but you know, obviously I think this has still got a long way to go. And I know the, the NRL is currently working with the, the police and uh, their integrity units are working alongside Manly to get things put in place for next season, but we might see another example of the old uh, no-fault stand-down policy come into play, and you know it's going to be an interesting one to follow through. But as you say, I think that if, if Walker's found guilty, I don't think we'll be seeing much more of him in the NRL uh, anytime soon.
0: And rightfully so. Oh, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, he, he, and no one can have any objections, and you know, it's obviously, obviously, a shame for the you NRL know, and for Walker as well. You know, we, we, know how good he was during the Souths premiership win, playing at centre for them. Obviously, then moved to Manly, sort of became more of a naturalized five-eighth. And I guess it'll be interesting to see. I'm not actually, I'm not actually sure off the, off the top of my head how long or how how heavy the sentence is for an assault charge obviously the no-fault stand-down policy I think it has it's if it's 12 or 13 years or more obviously gets stood down but that's obviously for the NRL to look at but it's disappointing I guess if you know even from a manly perspective Tom get given you know Walker he, he seemed to be coming good obviously had the injury didn't play for what the last couple of months of the year and They were probably expecting big things from him in 2021, but there's a a likelihood that that may not happen.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, while we don't really want to speculate about the legal uh, side of things, I think it's definitely good to have a think about what would happen in terms of the NRL next season. And, you know, Manly are probably going to be looking at some of their younger options. Uh, Dylan Walker is rubbed out. They've got Kate Cuss there, who played a role throughout the year. And young Josh Schuster there, who debuted against the Tigers and played pretty well that night. So they've got a couple of options that he is rubbed out. But... Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's just disappointing for Dylan uh, himself. And, you know, this is a guy that we're talking about that you know, in 2014 played four games for Australia. And, you know, with all this origin talk uh, this afternoon, you know, it was only four years ago he was playing for uh, New South Wales in game one up against Queensland. And, you know, his career's come a long way from there. And unfortunately, it's not really got in the right direction for him. So, you know, fingers crossed if he does uh, get off these charges that he's able to turn it around. But uh, if not... I think that'll be the end of his NRL career.
0: Yeah, which would be a huge shame. And I guess on still on the topic of centres as well, Tom. We know that James Roberts has been released on compassionate grounds by the Rabbitohs. We don't know, don't exactly know why. We know that James Roberts has had his own off-field issues, and you know he's he's put himself into into institutions that can allow him to get help, and that can allow him to you know sort of try and be better. But obviously, for whatever reason, this led to Souths releasing him. Can you see a side picking up Roberts on a, a heavily incentivized deal, or or is or our team's going to be reluctant to take a punt on a player who, you know, probably hasn't been in the right headspace for the last 18 months or so?
1: Yeah, I think, and I know we're going to talk about a number of players uh, coming up that, uh, you know, entering contract negotiation periods. And I think the key word. Surrounding all of them is value. I think that at the right price, and you know that's what it boils down for so many of these negotiations. I think every player can be value in this way, and I think that James Roberts is no exception. You know, we're talking about a guy with 150 games of NRL experience. You know, almost 75 tries in that time. You know, it was only a couple of years ago when he was playing for Brisbane, he scored that sensational try down the right edge, where he just palmed away and sped off, and you know, it was nearly tried the season that year. And you know, I think he's definitely still got a lot to give an NRL team, and. You know, fingers crossed he can, um, you know he can get his head in the right space. And you know, if he does, he's still only 27. So, you know, in a, in a very similar vein to Dylan Walker, a very similar age. And I think that, you know, if both those guys can get back in the right space, they've definitely still got a lot to offer the game.
0: No, that's you, know, you make a great point about value. Obviously, you know, you know, and it it goes it goes to the point of you're only worth what a team is willing to pay you. And obviously, you know, most teams now are pretty savvy in terms of what they offer, how much they offer, and, you know, is the player worth that? But I think given given how well we've seen Roberts play at his peak, obviously he, he burst onto the scene with the Gold Coast Titans, was or during the Gold Coast Titans, I guess rather poor years at that time, and, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb, which was a testament to his ability, and certainly showed plenty of glimpses at the Broncos and at South. Obviously, I mean, he did start at Penrith, but, you know, his, his off-field issues sort of plagued him there, and that led to the Titans' move, where he made a name for himself. But I guess from that talent perspective, Tom, if as you said, if he, or as as everyone knows, if he can just get the mental space right, there's no reason why he can't get close to an elite level in in the NRL once again.
1: Yeah, 100%. I agree with that, and I think so much of that will come down to his defence. I think that we all know what James Rogers brings into an attack. He he brings raw speed and. You know that's so dangerous in the modern game. We've seen how you know how how potent that that is this year through guys like Josh Adokar and Ryan Pappenhausen in the Storm who ended up winning the comp. And I think that if he can yeah you know, get in the right space of mind, then he could definitely bring a lot to to the uh, to the table next year and into the future.
0: Yeah, well, you know, fingers crossed for James Roberts and that he's able to do so, or that a club takes a chance on him and helps him to get there, because obviously you know none of that can happen without help and support from. From a club and an organisation around you, and I guess still on South Tom, probably surprising or not surprising, there's been some talk that Corey Allen, who was probably an unknown quantity before this season, but came into the South side after the injury to Latrell Mitchell and showed that they didn't miss a beat. He didn't miss a beat, and you know was probably one, of, well, was one of their form players by the end of the season. The talk is that in order to fund Latrell Mitchell's near contract Allen might be the one to make way it's a bit of a, a bit harsh on Allen in, in in many respects Tom given how well he was able to deputize for so Mitchell in his absence
1: yeah definitely it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were potentially discussing Corey Allen as a long-term option there at fullback for the Rabbitohs I don't think they really missed a beat without Latrell obviously I think that Latrell copped a lot of unnecessary flack to start the season he ended up with Something around about 17 tri assists on the year, which is no man feat. But at the same time, I think that they look really dangerous with Corey Allen. It's not so much a case of who's the better fullback because I think the, you know, they're, they're pretty similar. But Luttrell maybe has that extra little bit of raw ability that we've seen throughout the years. But I think what makes Allen valuable is that you could then move Luttrell into the centres and have them both there. And I think as a combination, that would be really dangerous moving forward.
0: Yeah, certainly plenty to think for at Souths. So, you know, it's going to be Wayne Bennett's final year at Souths. Before he hands over the reins to Jason Dimitri. So they're probably probably in that phase of, you know, building the side properly for when Dimitri takes over. And I guess moving forward, probably an equally surprising story, Tom. I mean, it, it because only because the Warriors, you know, certainly seem to be performing well with the two halves that they've got. They've been linked to Jerome Hughes, but I think that there was even a separate report that said his agent has pretty much told all fifteen all other fifteen clubs, hey, if you want him, come get him. So this could just be more of a manager boost to, you know, try and convince the Storm to give him more money. But Jerome Hughes at the Warriors, obviously, you know, he's a Kiwi. That would have been, been quite, quite an interesting one.
1: Yeah, it would. I, it's a very similar vein to Corey Allen. There's only in the grand final preview we were discussing how Jerome Hughes has really stepped up and taken a, a real leading role in that Storm side this year. It's, You know, he's come a long way from only a year and a half ago, really, that we were discussing him as a, Potential long-term fullback option for the store moving forward, and then he really found a home for himself in the halves. And you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things play out, to be honest, because you know the Warriors have just really you know nailed down their halves in Harris devita and Nicarima, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if Hughes did you know signal some serious intent in going down there. You know what would happen to those two guys? You know Jade Nicarima sitting on the sidelines there as well. Obviously that's a bit more of a prospective pick, but you know, so there's going to be plenty of permutations and you know, combinations running around uh, the head of Cameron George down there at the Warriors.
0: Yeah, certainly one out of left field that we we're expecting, but I guess not oh, not sad as such, Tom, but we've seen this week that James Graham has announced that this season of Super League is going to be his last rugby league season. Obviously, you know, he came came across from England and was an absolute revelation, probably set the tone for... English players and English forwards in particular to come over to the NRL and test themselves and obviously we've seen, you know, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, Ryan Sutton and others come over, some with success, some with not, but he probably set the benchmark for four English props coming over and he, you know, made a made a good fist of it, played well, obviously had the stint with the Dragons to finish up and that's not even mentioning what he's done internationally for England as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, he's a real stalwart of the game. You know, he's got an uh, unbelievable record of over 450 first-class matches across Australia and England. And I think that and he'll go down as one of St. Helens' best-ever players. And, you know, as as you mentioned, I think he's one of the greatest English imports that we've ever had here in the NRL, uh, especially in recent times, alongside probably someone like Sam Burgess. And I think that, you know, he, as you mentioned, really paved the way for a, a number of guys coming through. And, yeah, obviously had a massive impact on, a number of different clubs here in particular, the Bulldogs and the Dragons and he's had his issues with concussion over the years. So fingers crossed he can um, stay well and healthy into the into his retirement and uh, transition into, you know, the next period of his life.
0: Exactly right. You know, obviously he's, he's been there, done that. He's seen it all. And I guess the body knows when it's time to retire. And that's what James Graham has done. And, you know, on the flip side, Tom, for a guy like Bryce right now, obviously we know that he, well, not so much him, but I guess more his partner and everything have been, were in the news before the season, before the resumption started, the, the whole anti-vax debate and everything that raged on from there. Cartwright didn't have the best of time at the Titans, but he's come out and said that he still wants to play rugby league. He's committed to it. He wants to make the most of a chance that comes his way. Sli- you know, like you mentioned before, Tom, is Cartwright worth it on a an incentivized sort of deal?
1: Yeah, I, I think he is. To be honest, I think that I think it it depends on whether he's willing to buy into the culture of a club. And I know we've seen him linked to the heels, and you know it would be an interesting move for them moving forward if they did decide to you know um, go in that direction. But we know how much raw talent this guy has. Uh, um, in preparation for the podcast, I was having a look at some Bryce Cartwright highlights from a couple of years ago, and you know some of the comments are pretty funny to look at in hindsight. You know, people calling him the next. You know, incarnation of SBW and you know the future you know Origin star Bryce Carride. and obviously none of that ever really eventuated. Well, Andrew, because of some off-field issues that he's had over the years, but it's similar to James Roberts, at the right price and if his head's in the right space, I definitely think that you know he can bring a lot of talent to a side. And you know who knows, he, he could just be that X factor that a club like the Eels need to really take it up to the next level and
0: you know, become a Premiership-winning side. No, look, it could be. And look, I mean, I guess for me as an Eels fan, there's, I'm certainly not against it. I know there's quite a lot of Eels fans that are, oh, no, you know, we don't need Bryce Kite, And, you know, his, all his beliefs there and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it, we're not, at end of the day, if he joins the Eels, we're not signing him for his beliefs. We're signing him to play football. And I think if you go to him and say, look, Bryce, this is a one-year deal. We'll give you 250K. It's on you to you know, to back yourself, we back you. If you perform, we'll see what happens. If not, then, you know, you look elsewhere. And I think that's almost what Bryce Cartwright needs right now is just just that added motivation to to really get himself back in the game, to get himself, or at least get a semblance of himself back to that, uh, you know, that back, that back role that we saw emerge, in, emerge onto the scene for Penrith. I mean, I even recall some comments from Mitch Moses, Tom... Um, recently that because the two played together in high school or for the schoolboys or whatever it was and everyone was saying that Bryce Cartwright was the best player on the field every single game and you know it obviously goes to his raw ability as you mentioned so for me personally I think for one for one year you know you you drill home that this is what we expect you know it is only one year you know one incident and you're out and we may yet see the the potential best of Bryce Cartwright come out after that?
1: Yeah, I think, look back, I think it was that 2016 season he had that was just unbelievable for Penrith that had so many people talking about him as a future origin prospect. And I think, you know, thinking back to that time, it was just his offload, you know, late full work at the line, uh, throwing those offloads out. And it's just, you know, that raw skill, you know, ball-playing ability, just that ability to beat the A defender and, you know, get the numbers advantage and you know throw try assists, which is so valuable for you know second row forward to have that uh, you know that ball playing side of their game. You know we don't see it from too many players in the league at the moment, and it definitely be a bit of a point of difference moving forward.
0: No, certainly would be. I mean, I think it is worth noting too that Brad Arthur is certainly no stranger to bringing in, I guess, troubled players and being able to to turn them around. Obviously, you know Manu Mo, we know you know he he, he was in he was in prison in New Zealand when he was younger. Wasn't playing rugby league for very long, went came to the Eels. Obviously Danny Wicks as well, who had that that suspension for for drug possession after his time at the Knights, came back, you know, was pretty good for a few seasons. So I think it helps a team when you have a coach that has that track record. So I think culture wise, I don't think Cartwright will have too many issues fitting in only because Brad Arthur will make sure that he knows what the culture is pretty much from from the get go.
1: Yeah, 100%. We've we even seen that this year. Obviously, last year Junior Paulo had a little bit of you know controversy surrounding you know his name, and he had that that bizarre stint at the rugby club, and then he was caught with James Aguirre and you know consorting with criminals. And you know look at how he's been able to turn his career around at, at the Eels, and you know become now a starting Origin prop. And what a great credit to the Eels organisation. I think that you know moves roster moves like that. Are the key to essentially winning, winning premierships. We've seen it year after year from Melbourne, where they just take, you know, port, I guess, good way to put it, porters from other sides, guys that, you know, solid, solid players, but nothing spectacular, and turn them into absolute weapons. And it's about, you know, giving every player a role and clearly explaining that, that role to them and uh, so they understand what's expected of them. And, you know, under guys like and, uh, Brad Arthur, we can just definitely see, see them thrive.
0: And I certainly can. Obviously, you know the Eels are one of the teams so far to announce some new signings for 2021 now. The, the Eels pretty much released, I think they released 13 players. So prior to their signings, they were sitting at a roster of, or their top 30 were sitting at about a top top 18 or top 19, give or take. So Tom Opicek of the Cowboys, Isaiah Lee from the Warriors, and Joey Lussick, who obviously most recently played at Southford and look, as an Eels fan, I have no complaints, obviously, you know, we are still waiting to see what happens with Michael Jennings, we know the the fact that his, his A-sample tested positive to a couple of different drugs, so, you know, signing like check at the very least, goes a long way to having a potential starting centre, presuming we don't sign anymore, Papa Lee, probably, probably a bit unlucky, I think, to not get more playing time at the Warriors, his, his you know, showed some good signs, I guess just doesn't fit into Nathan Brown's plans. And yeah, I guess, you know, the Eels have probably been one of the few teams that haven't had a genuine hooker at depth. We've sort of had to make do with makeshift sort of players in, you know, Will Smith, Ray Stone, Jai Field. So it's going to be good to have a, an actual specialised backup hooker for once.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of good signings in there. I think that Opschich gives you some nice depth in the centres and especially as you mentioned with that Jennings case still pending. And the one I really like is Isaiah Papali. I think that his talent has largely been overshadowed this year by the emergence of some guys down there at the Warriors like LCA Katoa and Jermaine Tenoa-Brown. And Probably thinking back a year and a half ago, Isaiah Papali was a real staple of their side. He started for a while there in the second row, offered some good versatility, uh, can play in the lock as well. And you know, even off the bench, I think that he, he adds a nice little you know attacking spark and you know, he's a pretty solid defender as well. So. I think it'll be uh, you know, interesting to see how Brad Arthur manipulates the roster moving forward after these signings. But, yeah, I think all three of them can definitely play some sort of role next season.
0: And it certainly can. And, look, I guess another player that was linked to the Eels, whether it was just the manager talk as well, was Bevan French. Tom, obviously, you know, he the whole whole idea he left the Eels because he wanted to play fullback regularly, wasn't going to do that with Clint Gutherson, is now at Wigan and is abs- absolutely tearing the Super League to shreds. I mean, which is no surprise given his speed and raw 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 ability. He's gonna be there for at least twenty twenty one, has the option for twenty twenty two in his favour. I guess what were you expect were you expect more expecting him to return, Tom or or are you not surprised he stayed at Wigan? No,
1: I'm not too surprised to see that, to be honest. Obviously, you know, he's the nephew of Nathan Blackhawk and you see so much of uh Blackwalk in Bevan French, you know, just that raw speed and Again, just you know, great ball playing skills. I think that, you know, as as you mentioned, he wasn't going to get the opportunity here to play in his preferred position, but he's been absolutely tearing it up over there, almost a, a one try per game for Wigan. And you know, I think that while he's having that success, he's he's better off holding onto it over there because you know, I think for a lot of clubs now, the fullback position is relatively settled in the NRL, and it's a tough position to break. And you know, when he came back, I, I'd probably see him sorting into the wings or, or wing or the centers again.
0: Yeah, it'd be more than likely, and. Look, I mean, I guess a team like the Eels who have sort of started to cement their depth is the Penrith Panthers. Now, they've signed someone that you you probably would have seen a, a little bit of over the last few years, Tom, in Matty Eisenhuth. Uh, and for the first time in a few years, we have a Jennings brother back at Penrith with Robert heading over for 2021 as well. Obviously, Penrith needed some depth and they've gotten some some players capable of slotting in when needed, Tom.
1: Yeah, I think this is a you know, a good swap all around. Obviously, I think that the, the Tigers you know, needed to sort of shed some of their, their probably more experienced players coming into uh, 2021 with a number of younger guys coming through. You know, I look at a guy like Matt Eisenhuth, you know, he's uh, a real solid forward for a number of years for the Tigers, right up until, you know, his last game for the club. And I think that, you know, he always knew what role he could play for the side and he uh, always came out and delivered. And, you know, I think yeah, I think he's cousins with Paul Gallon and I see a lot of similarities in their game just, you know, real strong defenders, uh, you know, make make their money with their hit-ups and with uh, the Tigers with guys like Atoikamanu coming in next season and a number of young forwards really stepping up that, you know, it was going to be tough for him to get a run moving forward. So, you know, he, he can definitely provide a lot of experience to Penrith. I think he was a Penrith junior, so returning to the club there. And then with Rob Jennings, obviously, from the Tigers as well, you know, uh, with Tigers having Nofaluma, potentially a guy like Ado Kahn next season. Even if not, we've got guys like Reece Hoffman in there. Uh, and Tommy Tawau who you know showed glimpses at the end of the season of what they can do and you know there probably wasn't going to be a roster spot for him but Rob Jennings is a great uh, depth pick pick up for Penrith you know what role he's going to play on the wing he's going to be serviceable if called upon and you know if, if they lose Josh Mansour as it looks like they might uh, he's definitely a good guy to have on the roster.
0: No he certainly is and I guess a, a side Tom that is well and truly in a rebuild and seemingly in a quick one, you know, based on the, the plays that Trent Barrett has signed and on the based on the plays that he wants, obviously only came about because the Roosters made a, a surprising decision to not re-sign Kyle Flanagan. The Bulldogs of pounced and he's going to be in blue and white for the next three years. I mean, that's, I guess in a, in, in an off season where they were probably expecting to maybe only pick up Matt Burton from 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 Penrith to potentially have Matt Burton and Kyle Flanagan, Tom. They've gone from what probably would have been an okay halves combination to a great young halves combination moving forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel a bit for Kyle Flanagan. I think that you know he definitely played his role throughout a number of stages of this season, and I think that he was you know treated as a little bit of a scapegoat for the Roosters not uh, you know making it through and collecting that three-peat this season and. You know, what a great opportunistic pickup by the Bulldogs. As you mentioned, they probably weren't expecting it. But anytime you get a, a, a halfback who's got as much potential as Kyle Flanagan, obviously probably didn't have the, the full season he would have liked. But I think he definitely showed glimpses throughout the year. You know, I think back to games like uh, the Roosters beating the Broncos by 60 points. And, and, you know, he was just instrumental that night in running that right-hand side. And, you know, with a number of guys coming to the club next year, guys like Kotrick, uh, going up there as you mentioned potentially maybe burton as well and then you know you pair that with a number of guys like avarillo and fatale mariner who had you know pretty solid seasons there at the bulldogs and all of a sudden you you've got a nice little uh, squad building that as you said you know may not need that long rebuilding phase that we've seen from a number of squads and could maybe really fight back into finals contention from next year onwards yeah
0: it'll be interesting it's interesting to see if the dogs add a few more pieces burton included and that'll certainly have some people. Uh... Interested to see if they can sneak into the eight, which obviously you know can can or cannot happen. Will obviously that's all a discussion for next year. But just a final one to touch on, Tom. Not confirmed by Manly, but it looks like Des Hasler is going to re-sign as coach. I mean, I guess not really a surprise. Des Hasler and Manly are basically like bread and butter. The two have known each other and been around each other for the better part of what thirty, thirty-five years now. Or so hasler just seems to be the right man for manly
1: yeah absolutely it's a you know it's a, a combination that's now synonymous with the club and des hasler is really ingrained within the culture of that manly side and he's had a lot of success in the past with them and you know the fans seem to love him so he seems like a, a great match and obviously it wasn't the season Manly were hoping for this year it was really crippled by injury and they can get tom Trbojevic back on the field i know it's the same story we say every single year but if he can finally get a full season on the field, who knows what that nearly side could bring. Because they've got the Queensland half back there and Daley cherry Evans steering the ship. And, you know, with Tom Trebojevic, one of the best you know, young players in the game, that side really has a lot of potential moving forward.
0: Yeah, certain, they certainly do. And obviously they want a much better season than they had in 2020. And that wraps it up for today. Uh, look, obviously, there's plenty to talk about. There will be plenty to talk about next week as well, obviously origin is tomorrow night and teams are expected to continue to make signings. I guess off field stuff as well will be interesting to see if things develop, but hopefully we have a good entertaining game tomorrow. Tom and we'll catch you next week.
1: Yeah, thanks Ricky. Thanks everyone. Enjoy the match and you know it should be a cracker and as I say, never a dull day and rugby week.